0: Every team, every topic,
1: everywhere, this
0: is Believe.
1: Um, so we got farm to the show. Chris Dickerson, Paul Yanish back. We got John Smoltz with us. Smoltz, we appreciate you being with us. You've got a busy schedule, obviously, on the on the go here. Um, one of the things we kind of wanted to start with, we've been talking about the Reds a bunch here a little bit on, on, on our particular deal. And you've got an interesting perspective because you see the whole league, right? You're still covering games. You're doing – Things in both leagues and 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 getting a lot of, I guess, the innate feel of what the league's got going. And with, you get you're in Baltimore right now, getting ready to cover the Orioles. Obviously, a young team, AL East, arguably going to be good for the next four, or five, six years, depending on how things unfold over there. But same thing with the Reds in a, in a different way. But young teams in the game that are kind of making a making a push. And and just some feedback from you on on what what you're hearing about the Reds and kind of what they got going with with that young group of position players in particular, but also on the bump.
0: Well, it's a good thing because the game has changed philosophically through some rule changes, right? So it used to be GMs would try to convince their fan base, give us seven years and we'll reshape our organization and we'll have a window (laughs) of opportunity to win. That ship has sailed. That's not going to work. You don't have to bop it with the big boys and you don't have to spend $300 You have to show a roster that has, manip- you know, ability to kind of put pressure and use some athleticism and put the ball in play again. We're, we're kind of going back to some of the things that were important, obviously, <laughs> in winning baseball games. And I think that is due to the fact that you'd be kind of dumb not to think about these things with the rule changes. So it really is a lot to do with uh, teams can create problems for other teams now, like the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, and you're going to see some athleticism back in the game. And for a broadcaster and a guy, obviously, that played a long time, I am saying thank God, because yeah. the 3-2 outcome days got to stop ending. And you can have some of those guys on your roster, but you can't have that many. And the fact that you're going to slug, swing and miss and walk, it was suffocating the life out of the game. And so now we get to see it. Uh, played a little differently again
2: john did you anticipate that at the beginning of the year because i mean it's it's kind of crazy you're you know we're looking at the we're talking about the reds and then you know you're going into baltimore two teams that literally came out of nowhere nobody expected these two teams to be in this position this year but paul and i had an earlier uh, earlier conversation and we're looking at these rule changes and within the first four or five games you're just like with these new rules, with the speed, with these teams that are going to hit, put the ball in play, they're going to run these teams, you know, out of the ballpark. I think there's a real opportunity for some of these small market teams to come and be really exciting and to st- start staying in some of these ball games because of these, these rule changes. And that's exactly what we've seen with these teams. Yeah. I,
0: I've been banging this drum for 10 years. I mean, they've been slow to, to abandon the shift and, Uh, I get there was pushback and there was all this kind of every sport made uh, rule changes. Everyone baseball was slow to rule changes. Uh, The game had moved in a direction where you had to look at this as a philosophical change. And I'm glad they did, because now what it does is says, okay, I can't hide bad defenders all of a sudden in a shift. I can't make ground balls an automatic out. So if I'm going to still try to play baseball the old way, you're going to get passed by. And then teams have. You see rosters have gotten old. You see defensive teams now getting exposed. If you've got a young, vibrant, and it doesn't have to be just young, but if you put the ball in play, you're going to have a chance. You steal some bases, you're going to make life miserable for some pitching staffs. Nobody's done it better than the Atlanta Braves this year, yeah. com- combining their offense with their power and their speed. And I think you're going to see teams look in directions now that have to force them to think about ways to create that pressure and have those guys on their roster that are going to be viewed as weapon on the bases and weapons in the field again.
2: Right. Yeah. And you know, as a a pitcher, sorry, Paul, you know, as a pitcher, the the pressure that the creates, I mean, how you can get rattled with a guy on how it messes up your timing, you know, that flow of the game of just having that threat. And then, you know, it's easy with the base runners, you know, known was. you know, that was, A large part of my game but with the the pitch clock like you're essentially you're just timing it down and then when you don't have um you know when you don't have that rhythm and you've got to play you know the cat and mouse game like that's gonna that puts pressure on them you know mentally that puts pressure on 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 pitchers as well so it's it's been really fun to see and cincinnati has done uh an incredible job of that this year with 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 on the base paths no doubt
0: and look, I mean, we all know they're in a home run hitting park, but that doesn't mean you have yeah. to have nine home runner hitters in your in your lineup. Still got to play on the road. Colorado has to play on the road. And I think if you don't manipulate your roster to handle both road and home, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. You give me a bunch of base cloggers and strikeout guys and homers, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a field day. Yeah. But you yeah. put some people in there that make the lineup longer and it makes it tougher for me to navigate a lineup because there's people on base. It's going to be a much more difficult task, and that's what you're seeing. Yeah.
1: So I wanted to ask a specific question because I got the Andrew Abbott kid in Cincy, right? He's had a great year. He's a young young guy, young arm. He's thrown as many innings this year as he has, I think, in his entire career slash life. And there's been a lot of talk about shutting him down early for a team that's in the race, and he's arguably been their most reliable arm. We've seen this in the past with some other guys, and I'm just interested to hear your perspective because for me it's, it's difficult if you're in that locker room, if you're in that clubhouse, to rationalize that in in this current landscape when like nothing's promised for next year or the future or whatever. And just your, your opinion on that for young pitchers currently in the game and, and, and how that unfolds.
0: Well, we have a lot of flawed philosophies in pitchers. I could spend the next two hours explaining why (laughs) they don't think uh, this through because they just feel like the next guy up will take care of it. We don't pitch, we throw, we don't prepare. We just hope everything works out. And the one thing that I don't like about the game is this, this pitching, we we, we're de-developing greatness and look when you run into these situations, this is why young teams and young pitching staffs don't make it to the dance I don't mean can't get to the dance just they don't make it deep because of the limits they're just not prepared and they haven't anticipated that this year might be something that works out so what happens they shut pitchers down they frustrate fan bases and they kill teammates morale and that's just we've seen it too often and there's ways to navigate around it when you have some surprises. You stretch it out. You don't talk about it. You watch the pitcher. His mechanics are good and the stress is low. Then you don't deal with the fact that i got to shut him down at this specific, specific time. I think there's ways to do the things that other teams have. The Braves in the past did not talk about Spencer Strider shutting him down last year. You never heard about it. They stretched yeah. him out. They missed the start. They used the all-star break. It is a real thing. I mean, you don't want a pitcher to have 70 more innings than he did the year before, but you you got to do a better job of training them to get them ready to be a big leaguer. And that's the reason the Oakland A's are, are the Oakland A's. We don't talk about money ball anymore. We don't talk about what they've done um, because they haven't developed and, and moved on. They've actually traded a lot of these guys. So sure. I, I think the game has to to evolve in this arena where you must spend more time in the minor leagues preparing a guy. You can't just make this a totally young game and thrust them in and use 16 to 17 to 18 starters in a year. It's just not viable to get through the game that's got 162 games. So until that shift happens, unfortunately, you're going to have these conversations and you're going to have these scenarios that go all the way back to Steven Strasburg. And won't end until we are better prepared to bring a guy up without these handcuffs of three years of limits. Think about that. If you have three years of limits on a starting pitcher, how good can you actually be if you have three or three of those guys on your staff? So it is, it is an issue that other teams have taken at least the conversation, not outwardly and inwardly. And I'm fine with that. If I know I can, I can't go more than 30 or 40 innings then give me the opportunity to finish the year and pitch the postseason. right? Don't sure. shut me down in September and throw me out on an Island where my teammates can go. Thanks a lot. So I yeah. hope, I hope that gets worked out.
1: It's a good point. I kind of wanted to tie that into the recent comments from, from George Kirby out in Seattle, right? Like he, he had six innings through 90 pitches and he made some, obviously he apologized after the fact, but, something to the effect of I shouldn't have even been out there, right? He gave up a home run on his 102nd pitch. And I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you have an opinion on on, yeah. on those comments.
0: Yeah, I'm always going to give somebody a 24-hour rule. Everybody should have the 24-hour rule of a mistake that they said something that they learned from and they won't ever say again. But I am going to say this. I made some mistakes talking about fans early on and things that I know I shouldn't <laughs> have said, but I thought. Um, this was one you got to keep you got to keep under the wraps and this is one that really isn't I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you by this comment because as a teammate we would have a conversation but this is one where they're brought up this way you almost can't blame it I mean the there is so many false rewards in this game you almost can't blame players for thinking that way because that's the way they're being talked and if you don't allow a guy to get in and out of trouble or pitch 100 pitches and act as if he's gonna break here's my biggest beef. <clears throat> Are injuries going down? No. Mm -hmm. Analytics came in the game saying we're going to put players in the best spot to be successful, and we are going to limit injuries. It's gone through the roof. That's why they don't talk about it anymore. And so until pitching stops having so many arms, we're never going to address this. Organizations that want to go to the next level need to zig when everyone's zagging. They need to find a way to stop these rampant injuries and these Tommy Johns and these, I call it, RPM pitching where they just – put the pedal down to the floor and just keep going until someone else can. And I think until we do that, I don't blame the player. The reward system is X. If as a position player, you don't get penalized to strike out 180 times. Are you really going to change that? If a pitcher only gets to pitch when he's healthy and he doesn't get docked for only throwing 150 innings, are you really going to change that? So it comes from the top down. And this poor kid fell into a a frustration of a moment. And it really can affect a team. Uh, They were short. In the bullpen that night he had a chance to be a hero and unfortunately what came out was just some honesty and it won't happen again
2: right the honesty i <laughs> paul and i were having the argument it was it was how it would be interpreted would it just be a kid just being over honest and being like listen i just didn't have the stuff like i shouldn't have been out there as opposed to being a public knock against the you know uh, against the organization and the pitching coach being like there's some type of miscommunication Like I didn't have it. I shouldn't have been out there, but they didn't, but they didn't know that. Or he was maybe alluding to that discussion that he didn't have it. And they just kind of left him out there just to, you know, they just left him out there. But you know, that it was just like, at the end of the day, it's like, all right, you know, a little bit of honesty that you, you know, you said, Hey, keep under wraps, but you have those days, John, I'm sure you've had those days to be like, man, just today in my day, you know, you just get there be like, Whoof, 95 pitches, hundred pitches. I'm barking. Let me just try to get through this. And I think maybe that was the scenario and it was kind of blow, not necessarily blown out of proportion, but like you said, it was a kid being honest,
0: maybe didn't have his stuff at, at, at that point. But yeah, the training, you know, when you got training wheels and you don't take them off, you can't expect to just go and yeah. and, and keep pedaling. Like, I, I I think this all the time. It, it's like the mental gymnastics these guys are dealing with. We didn't deal with, you know, I, I hear every. Every time a team makes a deep run, well, that's the hangover effect for next year. We went 14 straight years to the postseason. We didn't have a hangover effect. Nobody talked to us next spring training about how are you going to make it through the year. A guy throws a no-hitter in 124 pitches. You know what? why he struggles after that? Everyone talks about it. It's like, oh, you threw 124 pitches. You really have no chance the next three starts, and your ERA (laughs) is going to go up. And if I keep telling you every day that you come to the ballpark, hey, you know you're tired? You know, you should be tired. Eventually, you're going to be tired. You know what they're not talking about in Atlanta? Guys playing every single day. Six or five players that have played, you know, almost every game. And that's why they're having a great year. There's no mandatory rest. There's no sleep. You know, there's no study on when this guy should be not playing. Those are the kind of things that players today have come accustomed to. They think this way because they're being told to think this way. So that's part of the byproduct. Yeah of what you're going to get sometimes. And you have to pick up your teammate every once in a while. That's part of being a teammate. and That's, that'll be learned.
2: Yeah. It's, it, that's interesting because you're talking about the philosophy of just a different perspective is like, okay, I'm kind of entitled. I'm going to get these certain days off because that's what the organization's telling me. That's part of the philosophy is essentially not to play 162 games. And we talked, you know, we talked with Joey who's turned 40 on Sunday his goal is to play 162 games like, you know, but, the mindset. you know, yeah, yeah, but old, you know, old school, I want to play hundred. I don't care what you say. I'm going out there every day because that's
0: because that's my job. And here's the problem I have with just setting things up. Let's say you just went eight for 16, but your Tuesday's your day off. I'd be There's fighting. No way I'm business. taking that
2: Tuesday. There's no way no I'm way. taking that Tuesday off.
0: Right. But you'll be shocked. <laughs> you how many fight times, me. You'll be shocked how many times that has happened in the game. And I go into a manager's office, getting ready to do a game, anticipating a lineup. It's like, no, that's just, you know, we've already determined that's his day off. I'm like, wow.
1: Well, and Smoltz, it makes me think, too, because, I mean, your, your career is indicative of your mindset and the time in which you came up. And obviously, there's a bunch of physical ability and preparation like you referenced. But kind of the way you're saying it, which I appreciate, because a lot of people will stand on the fence and maybe not be quite as honest, blunt, whatever you want to say. But have you ever considered... Obviously, you're commentating, which I assume you enjoy, and you still get to be around the game and go all over the country. But have you ever considered, whether it's coaching or getting into the front office somewhere to try to influence maybe some of that stuff? I know you're still tied to Atlanta in some ways, but is that something that's ever appealed to you?
0: I've always loved my opportunity to talk to young pitchers or anybody who asks me questions. It doesn't – our worlds aren't colliding right now. You know, the the world that baseball has in my generation, yep. it's almost arm distance because our, our, our influence or our – experience that we could pass on would be anti to what they're talking about today. So I get that. And exactly, but here's my, my biggest thing. And I've been talking about this every single time. I talked about it in my hall of fame speech. I'm tired of guys getting hurt. I'm tired of bigger, stronger, faster, more technology, more information. And nobody seems to care because the longevity issue is gone. And I'll be honest and blunt. I just don't think organizations care to have you 10 years. I don't care. that they. I just don't think the way that they have kind of, dissected a roster and the financial model to it they feel like if there's enough arms the next guy can be the guy but yet 25 to 33 percent of every roster has got a Tommy John on it like how's that sustainable so I'm more a pro I obviously want the players I'm a I'm a fan of the game I want to see a a young man a Jacob LeGron be healthier I want to see the guys last longer my fear is there's going to be a shelf and a cliff guys who are going to get to the shelf and the cliff and drop off and they're gone yeah. and it won't be missed. I think it will. When you think about generational pitchers that are going to be gone here in the next three years, I don't think you're ever going to see them again. No Verlander, no Scherzer, no Kersher, Kershaw, no Cole, no Adam Wainwright, no, no, um, you know, when you think about Charlie Morton, I think those days are, are far and few between. Now, if I was in the front office and they would convince me that that's they don't need that. I kind of disagree. I think a fan base is losing out on matchups. You know, you don't pick up the social media and you don't look at who's starting tomorrow. That's gone. And, and to me, baseball always had something special about that. Those battles and those matchups and the great position players. Look, I'm a fan of these athletes today. It's unbelievable. I mean, the younger player is greater than I've ever seen before and making an impact. That's great. But that's a 1% of your roster that gets to stick around. So you guys know it. I mean, this is a great game. Put the uniform on as long as you can. Take ownership of your career. I just don't think guys have ownership of their career anymore. I think it's being, I think it's being navigated by people that, quite frankly, have never played the game. Well, and it, yeah, it's a it's, good
1: point because the, the pitchers in particular, we can say whatever we want about armed talent. That's not the same thing as being a great pitcher, right? right, to your point. And when you're referencing some of those guys you mentioned, the generational-type pitchers, there you can't tell me that you're, there's a next man up. Like, there's not everybody as good as Garrett Cole. Not everybody as good as Justin Verlander. I don't care if they have the exact same stuff metrically. They're not as good because of the psychological aspect, because of the preparation, yep. because of the longevity, all of that stuff. So it's it's a great point.
0: I think what's coming that the next wave for baseball is some form of roster manipulation uh, rule changes. I think right now you can have the elevator system and you look at rosters and, and those guys that make clubs are the ones that have options. They can get thrown up and down, up and down, up and down and fill the void. And I, I just, again, there's outlier situations. The Atlanta Braves are an outlier this year. They've thrown 16 starting pitchers. If you say that next team and next year, will have 16 starting pitchers. I'm going to say they're not making the playoffs. This is an outlier, and I sure. think teams that don't have that depth and resources—you're talking about Cincinnati Reds—they need more things to go right. They need young yep. players to play big and big players to be great. And I think then you've got a, a fun season. Like they're on the cusp of making somebody's playoff experience a nightmare. No one wants to play <laughs> them. They don't. There's not. There's not a ton to gain, right? There, no one wants to play them or the Diamondbacks or team that can, like you said, run you out of the building and make your season um, not as happy as the one that, you know, you thought you were going to go long and deep. So I think there's ways to, to to enhance. I am so pumped up about the game this year as a broadcaster, because now we're moving in the direction um, that's going to bring young kids to show their talents again and not go to other sports. Let's face it. Yeah. You were not showcasing your talent in baseball for a long time here. And there's some great talents. And we were losing – multi-sport players to other sports when the longevity and the and the ability to stay healthier should be baseball
2: yeah
1: yeah it's a great point and let's touch on the Braves real quick because i know you're exposed to them and i was in atlanta for a couple years and had the opportunity to be around brian snicker one of my favorite people in the game i'm I'm so happy that they're having so much success under him and i don't think it's an accident by the way despite the fact that they're outrageously talented but You've, you've seen that team up close and personal. They're, they're tremendously talented on offense. They've get, Just give me some of what – I mean, you're there with the – they clinched last night. I, obviously, a, a, a good time was had by all, based on what I can tell. Yeah. But give me a little insight into that team and and kind of the – because when you talk about some of the psychological aspects of what we referenced earlier, that team showing up to the park every day expecting to win, I would assume. And they put themselves in a situation where getting to the playoffs – that ain't it we're they're 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 gonna win the championship
0: yeah you know this statement doesn't mean it has to be uh exactly the way i'm saying but everybody on that staff is either a former manager or a former player they get it they know how to manage the players they take the information they use the translation of how it was going to apply they have some great players they've tied up some good young players but they have that 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 manage the ship kind of captain and Brian Snicker who fell under, obviously my manager and Bobby Cox, and he's a lifer and and he just gets it. And people that don't understand who have never put on a uniform information's great. If you can't make it applicable, it's not as great as it's coming through that computer. And when you manage people and you're able to keep a locker room as fun as they are, that's the big reason why, You can't understand the heartbeat analytically. You can't understand the clutch factor and you can't understand what a player wants or not. And they've got a buy-in system there. This is an older bunch of, of coaches that do a fantastic job navigating everything you have to navigate in in today's style of baseball. So, you know, I, again, not to say that everybody has to be in that, that blueprint, but you've got to have that understanding um, been there, done that. And now they're, they've won their sixth straight division um, and they're set up for a while, you know, and, and I just mentioned 16 starting pitchers is usually not a blueprint for a hundred and plus some <laughs> team win. That just goes to show you their depth and their ability to bring players in and be ready for the moment. And they've got obviously some great leaders over there. And um, I mean, well, Matt Olson, hey, it's just a historic year. I mean,
2: mm-hmm. they're going to
0: shatter the home run record. It looks like they're going to shatter a lot of offensive records and are they the perfect team? No, they. There's still some holes there that can be exposed. But boy, oh boy, do they create fear for a pitching staff.
2: Absolutely. And John, you you talked about the importance of having that type of that type of presence, that player presence in a game of analytics where it's coming down from a bunch yeah. of guys who have never played. And Joey was Vada was on here, and he you know he's kind of bought into it, and he was spitting out some numbers about like OPS plus and the hard hit percentage and all these things. All this stuff as a player that you have to that you have to learn how to kind of decode. And like you said, like the the mental gymnastics of this stuff. It's not just about going out and playing every day and then navigating, you know, the whether you're gonna play or not, your days off, your rest, your, you know, some of these teams are platooning who's gonna play, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's such an overlooked. A overlooked factor these days yeah. and the teams that do that are the most successful have those guys at the ship that are the former players from that particular your particular era our you know our, yeah. our era your late era and that it just goes so such a long way and when paul alluded to you know coaching and where you're at in broadcasting i thought it was interesting Small two, when I used to have to use your office at the network, it was the, <laughs> at, at the same time where I was, you know, thinking about getting back into coaching and, think, you know, obviously doing the broadcast and see which way I wanted to go. But, you know, as like looking towards a, a coaching job with, you know, outfielders and coordinating, I remember having this conversation with Sam Fold. And he told me at spring training, he was like, Dickie, you would not believe the amount of data I have for, for these, for the outfielders alone. And yeah. was like, and I couldn't believe this. And he showed me these data sheets that he's given, given to some of these guys. And I'm like, this isn't baseball. Like you're taking the baseball, the baseball right. element out of it where you're teaching these kids to think on their own, read the late, read the late swing. You know, you got, you have to make the shift, know that you're l- low in the lineup. And he's, you know, two seamer, he's going to get it. You know, he, he's going to have to fight that ball off. Get shallow. Everything is basically like robotics. So you yep. get your card out and it says, hey, play here. You don't know why you have to play there. Okay, play here, shift here. But there's no, there's no adjustments. There's no thinking on their own to be pragmatic right. about what they're doing out there. And I thought that was a big problem coming from my era is how that would translate to you know, to defensive situations, you know, done today. Well, here's what they've done, and I
0: think it's brilliant. If you ch- if you want to go on the other side and make the case, I think this part is brilliant. But when the long term suffocation of a sport happens, it's up to the commissioners start turning that ship around, right? What they've done is they take young players, injected them in the game, fundamentally not sound. They've been able to hide things with the shift. They've been able to do things with the information. They're taking away feel because they've got all the information that takes away feel and your eyes. And you saw the shift of the game going in a direction. Well, it worked from an analytical standpoint, but then the game slowed down and players were slowing down because there was so much information you had to slow down and the reward systems changed. So when you look at what the shift has happened, no pun intended, the older managers coming back, you know why? Because the conduit of anybody managing a club thought, that if I give you all the answers to the test, it should be an easier job. It hasn't worked. And the older manager's coming back and the blend of the two. You're right on. A pitcher doesn't see a swing plane anymore. He doesn't see a piece. He doesn't react to a pitch. There's been a million times I stand in the, bo- uh, in the booth and I go, this is what sh- he should throw. It's a 50 50 proposition because they're not recognizing they got a card, they, they've memorized the information. So when you have all those facets in the game, Guys aren't ready for those moments, and it's why teams that win the championship usually have veteran pitching staffs, usually put the ball in play, usually play fundamentally sound, and those attributes have been going back for 50 years. That never changes. But if I want to convince a fan base that I have a chance as an organization, analytically, all of this makes sense. But the reality of it is, all in that bucket doesn't win a championship. Everybody knows that. And it's starting to come out. And it's starting to leak itself in different areas. That's why you're seeing a blend. And I have no inf- no problem with information and analytics. I just have a problem with it all being the all knowing and the all the only bucket. That's where you can lose me. When you you mention some of the things you've mentioned, and I go to a young pitcher and say, "Have you ever thought about this?" And the pitcher says, "Well, they told me I can't do that." And I'm like, "Is it your career or is it their career?" And so. Those are kind of the generational differences. I'm not a guy stuck in my generation. I'm actually a more progressive guy than people could ever thought because I've been for these rule changes. I've been for advocating for the game to move. So I'm not the get off your lawn guy. I just see things differently. And I've played a long time and understand, like you guys, some of the things that works. And we're reinventing the wheel in some of those areas.
2: Smulty in that particular office at the network, I noticed, uh, your golf clubs, you (laughs) do not go anywhere without them. You are a legendary, uh, you are a legendary golfer. One of the, one of the great, uh, representatives of major league baseball, uh, as far as dual sport and ambassador of golf, (laughs) ambassador MLB ambassador of golf. Um, tell us what, uh, what is your, uh, what's your dream foursome?
0: You know, I've had them. Um, I I love. Look, my dream foursome. When I ask that question, I'd like to go back in time, and I'd love to have. I I, I think golf is such a unique opportunity, not only to to share competition, but to share time and stories. And you know, you don't always have to. I'm a big like. If I could have those moments of a Jackie Robinson in my foursome, and just ask them questions, talk to them, to get the real story. I got to have somebody funny. I got to have somebody historical that has a perspective I could never have before. And then, like I said, real life in the Jackie Robinson situation. But for the most part, when it comes to pure golf, I played with Tiger Woods. You can't get any better than that. I played mm-hmm. with Annika. I mean, I've had an opportunity to play some of the greats and, and um, you know, funny people. But I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. And honestly, uh, it, it, it allowed us in Atlanta to have a 20-plus 20, 20 career. Uh, people laugh all the time. They think that's all we did. But what we did is got away from the game and stayed fresh sure. and we were together, man, when you're together and there you're a staff, you got an opportunity to talk baseball. You're in a car a lot. Life happens. And we had a blast. And Maddox always said, you know, I indirectly taught him how to have fun in the middle of one of the most historic based pitching careers. Like he had so much pressure on him every year, but he loosened up and had fun in between yeah. and we had golf. So it. it I do, I, I got him with me. I played, uh, Twenty-seven yesterday, twenty-seven the day before, and luckily that doesn't interfere with my broadcasting.
1: Smolty, hey, last thing, we'll, last thing, I'll leave you with. Okay, I'm sure you got a long line, but I'm I'm putting my resume on there. I'll, I'll be a caddy at your next big event for you. Okay, <laughs> I'm a calming presence. All right, <laughs> I, I understand. That. I, I
0: have, um, you know, I got two brand new hips. Uh, one's eight weeks old, the other one's uh, seven months old, and so I want to. I'm, I'm. I honestly want to kick in my competitive golf again. I want to see where I can take it. I want to qualify again. I got to put in the time. I've got a busy job. October's completely out postseason. But when uh, the World Series over, I'm going to try to qualify Q school and just put in the time and and learn from those experiences. I did that in baseball. I learned from failure. Uh, I'm not afraid to fail. So I still have these goals. I'm 56. I don't have much time left in that window, but golf gives me um, the competitive void that, that baseball has not provided uh, anymore.
2: Hello champions tour. Um, yeah. But Smolte, I'm so glad that you said that because we're over time, but I don't really care. Um, no, cause we were having this conversation. It's you know, late in the year, staying fresh. It's so important, especially for some of these teams that, You know, just finding the things that like the ties that bind, you know, that bind us. And yeah, we were talking about golf because Paul and I, you know, we started our fantasy football, which is basically like that is a that's a big thing in the clubhouse. It's late dog days. But those are the those things in the clubhouse. When it's late in the season, you always wonder, you know, what guys do. That is a huge bonding experience that keeps the team together, keeps teams fresh. You go out and do something, you know, silly like your draft order, and then you have the draft on the road and rent out a a conference room and have a good time. And so, you know, thinking about those those things, those moments along the season that really keep the team together and, and golf is and yeah. like you said golf is definitely one of them I,
0: I, I was the golf concierge and the fun concierge I, I yes. created all the tournaments we had card tournaments we had ping pong tournaments we had all kinds of tournaments through the year that we'd sign up for and keep you know tabs on because like you said it's a long year and all the road trips and all the things that we got to do so I miss that Um games are a little bit different in the clubhouse I'm sure now but uh technology's taking over but i I think you're so so right i mean this this sport's a tough it may not be the most demanding physical sport like football is but man you got to go 180 to 210 days together you know how many things can get in the way so Mm. uh we even played monopoly we had a monopoly tournament that's how Mm. old and funny we are but i didn't care Whatever anybody wanted to compete in, let's go. I'm, I'm hey, like, a, with a, it.
2: a good Monopoly game can be six hours. You that's 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 a that's a, that's, a, that's something that can go a whole a whole week if if you're doing it right and you got you yep. got a battle for boardwalk that that baby's taking at least three days.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, right, Smolty. Hey,
1: man, I, we can't thank you enough. I know we know what your schedule looks like. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for uh, being honest and transparent as always. And uh, don't forget about the caddy offer. Okay. You got it. You got <laughs> All it, Where, man. What? Have a good one.